0: I left my heart (laughs) San Francisco High on a hill It calls to me To be well, little cable cars Climb halfway to the stars The morning fog may chill the air I don't care, my love was in San Francisco above the blue and windy sea when I come home to you San Francisco Your golden sun will shine.
1: friday everyone and welcome to the latest edition of richard skipper celebrates this of course is my friday wrap-up show and that of course was tony bennett with the late great judy garland i know they're making beautiful music up there that happens to be my favorite clip of tony bennett singing uh he left my heart in san francisco of course his iconic signature tune and that of course is from the judy garland show uh, you know, today is a very, uh, it's called a Be Someone Day. And the reason it's called Be Someone Day, a teacher came up with this idea many, many years ago, to encourage her children to grow up and go out in the world and to be whomever they want to be. So today is all about celebrating not only Tony Bennett's authentic self, but all of our authentic selves. It's interesting, I saw an interview this morning uh, with Al Roker. Uh, with Tony Bennett and Tony Bennett not only was a great singer and had that was from 1963 by the way that clip and even until his 90s uh and with Alzheimer's uh he performed at Radio City Music Hall with Lady Gaga and everybody loved Tony Bennett I don't think that I have ever heard a negative thing about him not only was he a great uh artist uh but he was a great artist because he also is a great painter. His uh, artwork is some of the best anywhere. And when he was asked how he would like to be remembered, he said, I'd like to be remembered as being a nice guy. And I think that is the greatest accolade that any of us could get. If we all strive to be a nice guy, I think the world would be a better place. And I have five very special people in on the show today. Uh, three of them uh, have actually come back. Uh, we were supposed to do a show two weeks ago and I had probably the worst earache I have ever had in my life. Everything's fine. Uh, three of them were able to come back. Now, before we started the show today, I asked my dear friend Alan Choi in San Francisco to pick a number one through four uh, because two of our guests are together uh, and they happen to be in San Francisco and I'm going to bring them on first. (laughs) Hello, David and Jillian. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: I am so glad that you both are here together because originally, Jillian, you were not able to do the show.
2: I wasn't.
1: But you're here today, yes. And you are in San Francisco. You're both. Are you? Is it tonight that you're preparing at the Nico? Yeah. Yeah. We had opening
3: night last night. We do three shows a week for three weeks here.
1: That's amazing. And I know you do a Liza and a Liberace tribute show. Which one of you does Liza, and which one of you does Liberace? <laughs> I'm joking about it.
2: Yeah. Constantly. Um, <laughs> I play Liza Minnelli and plays
1: Liberace. But That's right. Despite the the photographs that I've seen are just out of this world. Uh, oh. Let's just start with the very basics. Um, Jillian. Yes. Why Liza Minnelli? You know, I always had a
2: huge love. I was a huge fan as a little girl at, uh, of Judy Garland. And um, my mom came home one day, I think I was probably about seven years old, um, with a copy of Stepping Out on VHS that she found at the Goodwill outlet. <laughs> and um, and she we, we watched it because I was tap dancing at the time, so she thought it would be a good one. And um, she said, you know, that's Judy Garland's little girl. And I think the obsession kind of grew at, from that point on, you know, she's just she marches to her own drummer. I was always an awkward kid, but she's just, she's just somebody that just puts it all out there. And I just became,
1: I don't know, I just loved her. Well, you know, it's mild a mild
2: obsession. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so years and years and years, those who know me know that I performed not only as Judy Garland, uh, nice. Carol Channing, uh, mostly. And, you know, and Carol Channing always used to say to me, you must really love me to want to do this. Yeah. Um, so yes. You have to love Liza. To I be- just
2: adore her. I don't know her personally, <laughs> but I feel like I do at this point. But Also, you know, when you're talking about Tony Bennett being a nice guy, the the only story I hear about people meeting Liza Minnelli is how incredibly nice and warm she is
1: and appreciative. And that's always nice to hear. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I met Liza when, uh, after she did her comeback after marrying David Guest. Yeah. Uh, he was doing a record signing uh, at Tower Records. Remember those, everyone? Oh, so I was, remember that she was at Tower <laughs> Records, and I asked both of them because he produced it, and I thought they were madly in love with each other. So I asked them, but and I bought five of them, and because it oh, was going right. to get away as Christmas gifts. <laughs> and so he said, "What are you going to do with all these CDs?" And I said, "I'm giving them away as Christmas gifts." And he turned to Lisa. I'll never forget this, and he said. See that? You've been reduced to being a stocking stuffer. Oh. And she chastised him and said, never, ever, ever talk down to my fans like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, And, uh, you know, and I saw And then the rest, we know what happened. Right. And, you know, and then David, uh, you know, it's very interesting. My show is called The Magic of Believing. There was actually an edition of The Magic of Believing uh, that came out in the 50s that Liberace, uh, wrote the introduction to, uh, because it changed his life. It did for yeah. me as well. How did Liberace change your life? Oh,
3: <laughs> I i mean, people know me. I still perform as myself. I, I play piano for the Portland Gay Men's Chorus currently, um, and a couple other institutions, artistic institutions in Portland, Oregon. But, but truly I started to become known as a Liberace tribute artist. And that was, that became the first thing that people wanted to talk about with me. Um, Because he, he, I mean, talk about an over the top, nice guy. You know, you talk about people who will always be remembered for being nice. Liberace was one of those too. Um, People just have in their minds this, this nice, warm, generous, amazing performer. And uh, that's the first thing they, that they want to talk about with me. And so in a way, that's how it's changed my life. I talk about Liberace more often than I ever have <laughs> you know, the rest of my life. You know, certainly not like in university where I was learning Beethoven and scales. And, you know, no one's talking about Liberace. But now over the last 10 years, like people want to know where are you performing? Where, you know, they want to, you have a new outfit. Do you have, you know, they they don't care about my clothes. <laughs> you know, my whatever new hoodie I buy. I mean, they want to know what, you know, what sequins and rhinestones I have now. So now I say, here's a big thing that changed. I now look at everyone's rings. (laughs) I never used to care about rings. And now anytime I see someone, I have to look at their rings.
1: You know, the same thing happened to me as Carol. So you can imagine. Um, So I know what it takes to become that persona and to go on stage. And, you know, maybe people may think, well, you just dress up, you get on the stage. If you're going to mimic the, you've got to sustain the audience's belief for, is an hour your show is?
3: We do, last night, we did about an hour, 20 minutes. Wow, wow, wow. A couple of encores. Yeah, we had two encores last
1: night. (laughs) I think that's good. The 20 minutes was all the applause. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I like Um, the thing. I stick around because I, I don't want you to go anywhere, but one of the things that I do on this show before we start every show is I've got five mystery cards laid out. Uh-huh. So Jillian, I'm going to let you start. Pick number one through five. Okay, uh, two. And we'll see where this takes us. <laughs> and it is, oh, I like this um, because we are talking about be yourself day. Is all, And you have to be yourself to take on the persona of these great artists. But what is the best advice that you've received in this business?
2: In this business, um the best advice um I got was to just be completely authentic and honest and true. Um our show is it's a riot, it's funny. These two people were actually very funny. Um but it's something that I know David and I don't ever want to make something that um looks comes off as being clownish. Um so to just be honest and genuine and um play the truth, you know?
1: That's great. And who gave you that advice?
2: Um Jim Caruso actually
1: one time.
0: Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. <laughs> Long time ago. Um, Cuz
1: nice
2: we did we did talk with him last when we were in New York and performed at uh, Birdland and I, you know, reminded him it was like gosh, 15 years ago or something. And um and I said, You you know what you said to me? And he said, Oh god, what did I say? <laughs> and I told him that. And he said, Oh, that's nice. I'm
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> watching. Thank you for that advice. And uh, and the same thing can be said for you. So uh David, pick a number one through four.
3: I'll take number one.
1: And your question is, what stereotype do you completely live up to? <laughs>
2: Oh well,
3: (laughs) Midwest. (laughs) Yeah, Midwest. (laughs) Probably is a good one. uh, one. I'm going to go with Midwest. Portland. I've lived in Portland, Oregon now for 15 years, but I'm from Wisconsin, and that's of course where Liberace was from too. And uh, I, I, for a while, I was actually trying to get rid of my dialect because I, I didn't want to Wisconsin or bagel, <laughs> you know, all, all those things.
2: Bankers. Boy,
3: and now it turns out that dialect comes in really handy. That's the whole speech bit. pattern. So I, I think the other part of the Midwest that Liberace captures so well, and, and I still keep is, is you know, humble beginnings, uh, knowing where you're from. Uh, much, like, much like myself, Liberace shopped at Safeway, <laughs> You know, like, we are I'm not out doing fancy things. He did, of course, do fancy things, but he also talks about, you know, eating macaroni and cheese for dinner or something. So, yeah, I embrace my Midwestern roots.
1: You. <laughs> so, Jillian, I'm going to let you bring on our next guest. So, everybody be ready in the wings. Number one, two, or three. It's like, let's make a deal. <laughs> one, two, or three. Ooh, let's do three. Okay. Well, before I bring him on, mm-hmm. uh, I have a little uh, tribute thing that I'd like to share. And here he is.
0: These are little town blues. Blue.
4: Keep the party polite Never get out of my sight Stick with me, baby I'm the guy that you came in with i be a lady tonight It is a train We'd hide from the lights On the village green When I was seventeen Changing just to try to please me. You never let me down before. And don't imagine that you're too familiar and I won't see you anymore. Trailers for sale or rent. For fifty cents, no phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes, up it's a marshmallow world in the winter when the snow comes to cover the ground. It's a time for play. It's a whipped day. I wait for it the whole year round. Oh, Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, Bobby Darren. They did this song nice, Frank and Ella too. They all sang it, they sang it with so much feeling that I am afraid I cannot
0: add anything to.
4: Stephen, welcome back. Thank you. If I would have known you were to know you're going to show that, I would put the tuxedo on.
1: <laughs> well, uh, the dress. Uh, just like with David and Jillian, I look at them and I see nothing but sequins. I see you and nothing but a tuxedo. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So Everything to, to wear. Well, believe it or not, you know, and I, uh, and I'm sure that David and Jillian feel the same way. Getting dressed to go out in front of an audience, there's nothing like it.
4: Not only that, I feel comfortable in it the tuxedo. I wear it so often. I I feel more comfortable in that than I do in my pajamas.
1: And it's part of that process of just getting out there and doing it and no one does it better than you, Stephen. Um, You know, but I want to ask you, I mean, it's in celebration of Tony Bennett. uh, mm -hmm. You obviously celebrate him in your show as well. Yeah. Um, What was it about Tony Bennett for you? And interestingly enough, Frank Sinatra called him his favorite singer.
4: Yeah. Um, Tony had a little more jazz than all the other singers of, uh, of that style. The rest of them were all trying to imitate Frank. And so they, they stayed in that mode. But Tony was a little more jazz. He didn't, he didn't consider himself a jazz singer. But he, he was. He was.
1: Now, Stephen, I did mention today is Be Yourself Today. I asked for a photograph of you at five. We don't have a photograph of you at five, but 10 years old. And this is where the style is beginning. Look at, look at you.
4: That was, yeah, I just came across that picture about two weeks ago. And, uh, and I put it up because I remembered buying the bow tie and the pocket square because I wanted it to look like Frank did in that picture.
1: I I love the fact, and I love the way your mom, It's that picture just takes us back to 1969, which was also in the news again this week, because Mm -hmm. yesterday was moon day. Uh, Do you remember Mm -hmm. where you were uh, when uh, they landed on the moon?
4: I was with my mother and my older brother, Jerry, who was in that picture. Mm -hmm. And my brother, Jerry, had a fabulous sense of humor. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting for them to, to come out. And they weren't coming out. And Jerry said, boy, these guys are really chicken. They don't want to come out. And my mother got hysterical. These are the three bravest guys in the whole world. They went
1: up to the moon. And she she laughed about a half hour. She couldn't stop laughing at that. I remember so vividly. I was eight years old. My family, they were all at my grandmother's house. And everyone was inside watching this as it was unfolding. And I was sitting on the front steps of my grandmother's house because I was convinced I would be able to see them walk on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) That's an eight year old mindset for you right there. Uh, So I want to ask you, what is the best piece of advice that you feel that you ever got in this business? I didn't think
4: it would be the best, but it turned out to be. Uh, I was told whenever you do a show, always say right up front that you're not an impersonator. Hmm. Um, It was told to me by Sonny Mm Grasso. And he said, you want the the audience to feel comfortable right away. And they're going to be halfway through the show. They're not going to know if they're seeing a good singer or a bad impersonator. So you have to tell them right up front that you're not an impersonator. That way, they'll know what to expect of the show, and they'll relax. and They'll be comfortable. And I didn't think it was. I thought it was obvious that I'm not an impersonator. But so many people come up to me after the shows and say, I'm so glad you said you weren't an impersonator because I didn't know what to expect. And that's if you go to my my website, it says "not an impersonator." All over every page
1: says "not an impersonator." Yeah. So that, well, that was Tony, best. Tony Bennett said the greatest piece of advice that he ever got from anyone was from Judy Garland, okay. and she told him, anytime you're doing a show, put in at least two new songs okay. that no one else has ever heard you sing before." The audience wants to expect the "Over the Rainbows," and in right. his case, uh, you know, "I Left My Heart in San Francisco," but give them two new gems that they've never heard before and they'll keep coming back.
4: Yeah. So now if you're going to ask me the second most important piece of advice, I'm going to take you full circles. You said Judy Garland. She said Eliza Minnelli. The second was Lorna Luft. I heard her doing an interview with, this was even before I started singing. She was doing an interview with Jonathan Schwartz and Jonathan Schwartz asked her, what's the best piece of advice your mother ever gave you? And she said, my mother always told me and my sister, the most important thing was to, have fun on the stage because if the people think that you're not enjoying yourself, they won't enjoy themselves. They think you're having fun. They'll have a good time. Even if you're not at the top of your game, as long as they think you're having fun, they'll have fun. And that would, would have been the second one.
1: Now, before we bring on our next guest, you're going to actually bring them on. Um, is there anything stereotypical about you?
4: Well, I'm Italian, so I like to sing, <laughs> I like to cook and I like to eat what I cook. So
1: that's that, a good thing. That, that would that would be it, I guess. We're going to bring on our next guest, and they're either behind door number one or door number two. Door number one. And I am so excited that she said yes to me, uh, because she's the hardest woman, uh, working woman in show business. Uh, Here's a couple of things that she's got coming up. She also is working on a GoFundMe, I think. GoFundMe, is that the right uh, one that you're using, Tanya? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. She's doing a Kickstarter campaign uh, because you are finally going to do your own CD.
5: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And David, Jillian, Stephen, if you've never heard this woman sing Go and look her up. I will be seeing her in person on Sunday night at the salon, which is, uh, with all due respect to Jim Crusoe, uh, one of the best controlled open mic nights in all of New York. How many Mac and Bistro Awards have you Uh, won?
5: One Bistro Award and seven Mac Awards.
1: Seven Mm -hmm. Mac Awards. So, David, Jillian, Stephen, you should pop in sometime. That's impressive. Yeah, I will. What do do they do it? Oh, what was that?
4: Is it open mic every
1: night? or is it No, don't? it's a Don't Tell Mama, and when it's on a Sunday. And is it the
5: last Sunday of every month, Tanya? It's it's select Sundays. So we have one this Sunday, July 23rd. Then we're August 13th, August 27th. And then we'll have 10 more salons next year.
4: Oh, good. Okay. I'll look so, it up.
1: Uh, Tanya. <laughs> yes. You, uh, you do all these shows, and I don't know how you do it, because talk about learning new uh, two new songs. You learn uh, an entire show every
5: time you do this. Have you ever done a tribute to Tony Bennett? No, but that's a terrific idea. I did a tribute show to Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. That's somebody from sort of that ilk. But uh, I've done I've done a lot of different tribute shows. But t- I did meet Tony Bennett. I had the honor of meeting him because he was a guest at a Dutch Treat Gala. I'm part of the Dutch Treat Club. And in 2018, our... Uh, the the big guest of the year was an artist named Kinsler who had painted Tony Bennett. So he stopped by and he was the nicest guy in the world. He was so gracious. He said hello to everybody. Um, And it was, it was really quite something to meet him and shake his hand.
1: And Tonya, what do you feel is the best piece of advice that you have ever received in this business?
5: I think it's don't quit. I think it's keep going Mm -hmm. and not even just in word. I have to say indeed that comes from Sidney Meyer. Mm -hmm. I am at Don't Tell Mama singing here for 25 years because of Sidney Meyer, because he opened his arms and his club to me and has always supported me and always been there for me. And lo and behold, I've done shows here pretty much. I've done probably 32, 33 different shows, not performances, shows in those years. Um, and I've directed a lot of shows here. And now we do the open mic salon here. And now I get to be a booking manager here. I work with Sydney. He's been here for 40 years. I've been doing it for four years, but I love this place. I love this home. I'm sitting on my stage right now. I am, I'm coming to you from the original room at Don't Tell Mama.
1: So for anyone who is watching right now, who happens to be in New York, saying, what am I going to do tonight? And you are going to say to them,
5: uh, come to Don't Tell Mama. Come to Don't there's Tell a, Mama. There's a 7 o'clock show in the Brick Room, uh, and then there's a 9.30 <coughs> show in the original tonight. Also, come to Salon on Sunday. Salon is this magnificent open mic I've been doing with Mark Janice. We'll, we'll have been doing it for 18 years this August. 18 years. Okay. It's incredible. And it's a different co-host every time and a different theme. And it's just a place to come and be safe and work out. And I have to say, I credit a lot of how good I am because I'm not shy. I'm fantastic at what I do. She sure is. a lot of that is because I've been coming to Salon all these years. It's like my gym. I come and I work out and I get in front of an audience and there's nothing that can compare to that. So, uh,
1: and and we're going to show a clip in a moment from the Salon uh, for our next guest. Uh, But uh, when you... um, uh, I've got several questions going on in my head. So uh, on Sunday night, it's going to be Ann Kittridge and Alex Ryback. They're doing uh, Movie Night because that was the name of her show. Mm -hmm. Who is that Don't Tell Mama tonight?
5: Uh, There's a show called On the Spot, which is in the brick room, which is these gorgeous, talented uh, young ladies from Argentina. They've been here several times. When they're in New York, they do a show here. Tonight at 9.30 is Charlotte Cassidy. Uh, tomorrow night is something called, uh, it's usually called the chaos cabaret, but tomorrow night is called the chaos calvary. And if you wear cowboy boots, you will get a discount. Uh,
1: if they only wear cowboy boots, will they get a, <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's another thing entirely. <laughs> so, and I want to say,
1: uh, kudos to you, uh, as the booking person there at Don't Mama now, uh. You, there, you no hesitation as to who's performing there. Uh, some people go, well, let me look at my list. Let me see who's on tonight. Because I mean, the- it's a
5: lot of details, but it's fresh in my mind because I deal with the clients and the reservations and the book every single day, every minute of my life. But back yeah. to me a second. So back to the salon. One of the things the salon um, has really encouraged is songwriting. And I have to say that the first time I did this, I love New York songwriter show in 2013, 10 years ago, it was because of the salon. It's because that's where I met Richard Eisenberg and Bobby Horowitz and Rick Hen and Mary Liz McNamara and so many writers. And then that I added in writers I had known, Stephen Ludvig and Jeff Blumenkrantz. And then three years ago, I was inspired to do a part two, which I had always wanted to do. And again, I used the salon to sort of collect these songwriters because I had the power to schedule them as co-hosts. So I would schedule Lena Katrakis and I would sing one of her songs. And I scheduled Rick Jensen and I sang one of his songs, etc. and so on. So it's just really art feeding arts and feeding the community. And it, that's why I'm so excited to bring these shows back to actually record them live because I want them to be live and to finally have an album. And of course, you know, as is my style, it's a double album and that's why I have to raise so much money for it but I know I'm going to do it dollars. And, and I want
1: to let everyone know you can see the Kickstarter information scrolling on the bottom of your screen don't feel that you need to rush and get a pencil to write this down because all of these links will be on the YouTube channel for everyone who's on the show so One. that you'll be able to keep in touch with everyone, follow them, see what's going on everything
5: and so- the performances are in October 6th uh, October 20th, November 3rd, November 17th so come be a part of the live audience while it's being recorded
1: here we are, live CD recording, and I definitely gonna get there. Um, and uh, on Tuesday night, I am going to be a judge in the next big act. So I'm excited about that as well. Thank you, Lenny Watts, for asking me. Um, and uh, I'm gonna ask you, and then we're gonna bring uh, Sandra on in just a moment. Um, is there anything stereotypical about you?
5: Well, I did start in Cabaret's Blonde. The blonde leading the blonde. And I do have those moments where I just go, sorry, blonde hair. No, That's true. I mean, you know, it's such a politically correct, you know, uh, atmosphere. So I feel like I can make fun of it because I am a blonde. But that, I would say that that can be, I'm very sharp. I'm very savvy. But I have my moments when I'm just like, hello. Uh, um, um, uh, I'm, uh, okay, I'll tell him. That's I'm a blonde happens. too. There you go. There
1: I used you know. to be. I was never a blonde (laughs) I'm a (laughs) blonde So uh, Stephen We didn't pull a mystery question for you So one through three Uh, Three And your question is um, It's a statement And then I'd like you to go with this You're in Mm -hmm. charge of how you feel And today let's choose happiness Do you feel that you are Definitely in charge of how you feel every day
4: Yeah yeah, I do. I make sure that I that I do. My uh, my mother and all my aunts, and even my uncle on that on my mother's side of the family, all went through depression. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm feeling like I'm starting to get a little low, I purposely get snap myself out of it before I could fall into deep. Luckily, myself, I've never gone through through depression, but mm-hmm. I'm aware that it could happen to me because it's in my bloodline. So I always make sure that I'm I'm in control.
1: And same question for you, Tanya.
5: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I come from depression. And my dad was depressed. And he actually committed suicide when I was seven. Mm. So I got treated for it. and I'm very grateful. And uh, I'm grateful to be here. But every single day, yes, I have a fantastic life because I choose to have a fantastic life. And I do everything I can for happiness. So yes,
1: I do want to say we had, uh, you know, I live very close to the Palisades Mall uh, here in Rockland County. And uh, yesterday, a woman committed suicide at the mall. Wow, and uh, and I saw a woman post on Facebook today that her daughter, who was 16, attempted suicide. Wow. So I applaud both you, Stephen, and Tanya, for even bringing this up. Because if you feel that low, you know, please uh, call the suicide prevention hotline. Yeah. Talk to someone who can help you uh, get through this.
4: I and actually Tanya, do um, a benefits for a group called Warrior Shield that helps um, service people, veterans, and first responders, that a lot of times when they get the PTSD, they go to see these doctors and they put them on drugs right away. Exactly. and get more screwed up. So this organization teaches them uh, yoga and uh, therapy, to, to meditation and things to get through without going on the drugs. Absolutely. So it's a very worthy cause, Warrior Shield School.
5: Well, the meds help me, but I have to say anything. Mm. reaching, Speaking about it, reaching out, saying help. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Tanya, there are two questions left. So pull the number and then we're going to pull up our next guest.
5: What are my choices? What are the numbers?
1: One or two. Number one. Number one. Your question is, how do you get in the way of your own success? Or do you?
5: I think in, in my past, I have not reached out for help. This is the first time in my life I'm reaching out for funding. I want to make my life bigger. I want I want to have a recording. I want these songs to be heard. And, you know, typically what I've done is just, you know, I pay my musicians before I pay my rents, but it's kept everything very small. I want to break out of that. I want to have a bigger audience and I want to have the... You know the hutzpah to say, "Help me do this because this this is a great and worthy cause, and 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 I'm and I'm worth it, and it's worth it, and I've been doing this for a long time, and you will not be disappointed by the results."
1: No, you will not, and I am there behind you. And speaking of great results, uh, our next guest lives on the edge of every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I bring her on, I have a clip. She will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. This is from the salon, here she is.
6: to you all and talk about a song that talks about happiness and getting out of depression and Mm. getting back on track. Thank you for sharing that, Richard. Well,
1: I, you know, I had it in my files and I went, I hope I can find this. And that's the one I said, I found it. So (laughs) I was looking for that. I wanted to share that the last time that you were scheduled to be here. And so things get lost sometimes and Mm. I found it. Mm. So welcome to the show. Uh, You are uh, living on the
6: edge of every day. So tell me um, what that means. Oh my, well, uh, the edge of every day is sort of my, my the way I walk in the world. It has really become my spiritual platform and the way that I think about my life. I, I don't, I'm never in the center of any community that I'm in. I always walk along the edges of the communities and I hybrid them and I, think of myself as an edge walker and as somebody who's an innovator and someone who looks around the corner at the future. So I- I'm not quite in fully in any of the worlds I'm in and Richard knows and Tanya knows that I'm in I'm in three different communities. I'm in uh, a leadership community. I'm in a spiritual community as an interfaith minister. And I'm also still a, a professional actor, singer, voiceover artist. So I find ways to weave all of those things together and hybrid them and bridge how it is I want to work between those areas. And I it really comes alive for me in each and every day Um, I just can always see the dichotomies of life and the, you know, in this one moment, we want to choose happiness, but we are depressed and we want to be able to be present to what that grief or that sadness can gift us with, but we don't want to be consumed by it. So to find that edge between honoring that and still embracing our joy, our happiness in life. That's really my understanding of the edge of every day.
1: I love that. Wow. And you, you live and walk and breathe and talk the talk. You do it. And I know oh. this. I mean, I reach out to you when I need uh, to, a little advice and uh, important that we all do that, everyone. Find somebody that you can reach out to, and I thank you for being there when I do reach out. Uh, so it is be someone day. You're obviously
6: someone, uh, but tell us about this little someone. Uh, I, love yeah, I love, love that. I love the one that's so me. I mean, just so the laughter and the 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 joie de vivre. I mean, uh, just walking through the world with a, an aliveness and a personality, and 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 you know, of course, as as we all go through finding our ways of pushing through the feeling of having that squelched. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there's no human being on the face of the planet, particularly performers that are, have been told, oh, you're too much or you're too this or you're too big. And, and I'm six foot tall and I'm this and, you know, and and my stereotype is the diva and, and the showgirl and all those things. And it's too, too much. And so we can sometimes level it down but you know you can see it right there the aliveness and i look at if she that girl's on my website and i look at her so, somewhat frequently to remind me of stay with it stay that's with good. it hmm. keep grabbing life
1: same question that i asked tanya uh, how do you get in the way of your own success
6: oh that's a great question um And I loved your answer, Tanya. It's so true. Um, um, Asking for help. It's a big it's a big thing um, at, you know, uh, and and not asking for help is somewhat of a survival tactic. At least it has been for me. Um, But I think maybe some of the other ways that I I haven't that I've held myself back is I do. I have a lot of interests and so I don't all, and because of what I said about walking on the edges of communities, I don't always dive in and share fully what it is I can do. So all of a sudden, you know, I'll come out with something and people will go, oh my, I had no idea you, you could do that or you knew that or what, you know, so it's really a sense of feeling in conjunction with that aliveness, just, just not backing away from sharing it all
1: great answer. And, uh, mystery question. There's one left. Um, it's a statement and that I mean, it's a, it's a task for you to do to reevaluate a long held belief.
6: <gasps> Ooh. Did, meaning uh, is there one that I haven't reevaluated? Cause I, I, I pretty yes. much
5: dig yes. it
6: all up. Well, I, th- this is, this is kind of crazy, but this just came up in a in a kinesiologist appointment. Um, um, could be on the verge of being too woo woo, but it's you, Richard, and I'm going for it. Um, <laughs> you know me. I'm That's my so, middle name. <laughs> um, I uh, going through the se- session. She's a bit of a shaman, and she, out of the blue, asked me. Um, actually, you know what, I'll just back up. I'll do another reference to this story. But I was born two months premature. And I have had heard in my past that your how you were born affects and can really uh, have a great impact on how you move in the world. And I sort of adopted that belief that because I was early that I You know, my timing might not always be right. I might be too early for things and and not there at the right time. And then I had the most amazing uh, reevaluation of that in that because I'm an edge walker and because I'm psychic and because I look around the corner and I'm an innovator, I do see the future. And that is early. And it just popped open my whole understanding about Early being a good thing, as opposed to you know that there was somehow something bad about that, that it had a bad effect on the choices that I was making throughout my life. Good,
1: what a great answer! A lot, of, lots in there. Um, those of you who know me, who watch the show on a regular basis, I am all about bringing positivity, <laughs> spirituality. Uh, I, I that's how I try to live my life, and it's all about the creative process. I love creation. I love to see other artists. Uh, Tanya, you know this about me. Uh, I love to be on stage more than anyone's business. But also, I love being in the audience. I love being there and I celebrate artists. Carol Channing used to be the spine of her audience. She said everybody was getting their energy from me. And she knew that when I was in her in her audiences and everything, and I love that. So I've got some questions about creativity and the process and everything in our remaining minutes, and I'm going to start with you, Stephen, on this. And it is, what is stopping you from doing what you truly desire to do, if anything?
4: I am doing it. Singing and and doing the shows, that's what I really want to do. I, I started late because I didn't think that I could Mm. i reached 35 i said you know if I, never, if I never start taking lessons and actually try this someday i'm going to be 80 and i'm going to regret it that i didn't i didn't I, even if i fail at least i know i tried and it actually clicked
1: thank so you for saying that it. you know because i think that's the hardest thing it's taking that first step yeah. and uh, so thank god you did <laughs> uh and now i'm going to get to uh david and jillian and i'll start with you uh david uh david who was the best mentor that you've had in this business and what made them a great mentor?
3: Oh, I, I had a piano teacher in college who um, I did not see eye to eye with <laughs> on much. She wanted me to be a classical musician and to get my master's and doctorate. And I was really into musical theater and jazz and other things besides classical music, which worked in my benefit. <laughs> Playing Liberace, uh, but she said, she said one thing that I really thought was a beautiful mentor, uh, antidote. Uh, I, I had gotten second place in a piano competition, and and uh, she knew I felt bad, but she said, you know what? She said, if if playing piano was the only thing that you could ever imagine yourself doing, then keep doing it. And and I, I, even though we didn't see eye to eye, that that is. To her, she was she was a mentor for for saying that she's also a fabulous piano teacher. But but that has stuck with me all my life. That's mm-hmm. great.
1: And Jillian, uh, do you feel that you've ever been a great mentor to someone else? And what is the greatest piece of advice that you've offered someone else? <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: good. Well, a mentor to somebody else, I guess. Um, growing up, maybe like Liza. Um, <laughs> i I had a lot of gay men around me, <laughs> and i think um uh starting off really early um I guess the message was just to yourself and um uh a lot of them are are drag queens now and <laughs> doing their thing and I came from a small town, and um it was uh it was and i'm I'm also gay so i I think later on we kind of just you know did a big hug with each other and um yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess well, gay men. I've, had a, yeah, I've had a lot of gay men around me and too. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank God for gay men. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: yes, yes.
1: And speaking of gay men, one of you has to get up. I know it's gonna make the room very bright, but I want everyone to see the background outside your window.
3: Oh, oh I'll do this. You got it? Yeah. it's San Francisco San
1: Francisco there it is hello Tony Bennett it is so gorgeous and uh, I'm going to get back to you Tanya Uh, and um, the question is do you have a daily routine that would make it a stereotypical day uh, in your life uh, when it comes to your work
5: Well, first, I sleep late. I recommend sleeping. Sleeping is underrated. I am a vampire. I stay up late, but I have learned to embrace that I need a good 10 hours of sleep every night. And I'm just not good if I don't get that. So typically, I'll wake up at like noon to 2 p.m. And then when I'm awake, I'm a workhorse. I work all the time. And I love everything that I do. So Mm. I usually hit the computer. I take care of the mama's stuff. Then I vocalize. I might rehearse. I might learn... Several thousand songs in a day because that's what I do. I run mm. lyrics like crazy, and I take care of myself. I exercise. I cook. I, you know, um, I just date, my day is different every day, which I really like because I never get bored. So it depends on the day itself, but it's always everything I do is it's hard work, but it's super super fun.
1: That's great. And Sandra, did um, do you make New Year's re- uh, resolutions? I call them New Year's intentions. Mm. Um, you, do you make New Year's uh, intentions or resolutions? And if so, we're more than halfway through the year. Did they stick?
6: Uh, interesting. No, I don't do New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just set up my intentions when they feel, when it feels right. And in the middle of winter, generally speaking, it's not the time where I'm energized to start over. Yeah. I really, I feel September is that back to school energy is when i feel very compelled to reevaluate reevaluate and and kick into some some new things and that's i can feel it kind of creeping up in me but you know uh, i this last year i didn't do a ton of them because i i so I, I don't feel like i like i haven't done what i wanted i think more to the point what i've done is cut out I've had three really important people very close close friends die in the last three months Mm -hmm. and the extraordinary grief that I was tumbled into really was like as is always grief is always a great two by four to the head to make you go okay where are my boundaries um what is it that I want to be doing what is not feeding the life I want to continue to create for myself and so that's where I'm in right now. So uh, I, in a sense, I kind of, I do intention setting kind of all the time.
1: Well, good for you. (laughs) Is everyone okay? Because I want to do one more round of questions and then I will give you each a chance to give your final word of the day, uh, your final phrase of the day, your final thought of the day. Um, So Jillian, is there anything that's not working for you currently in your career? And why do you feel that it's not working? having a day job
2: (laughs) I actually uh, lease luxury apartments during the day um I think that's really my only hurdle is is I mean I would love to be doing exactly what I love and what I'm passionate about and get paid for it and you know this is kind of the business we're in we it's um it's risky but it's definitely
1: rewarding and that my friends is why uh our actors are on strike now oh. because we need to be paid for our art. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. <laughs> yes, and our writers, and has anyone heard anything about iatsi Did they reach an agreement? I don't know. Because there's a possibility I, I don't know of either. Not yet. So, I, uh, so the opposite question, uh, David, what is working for you when it comes to your
3: career? Honestly, everything right right now feels like it's working. I get I get to perform as Liberace uh, quite a bit, but I also get to perform as myself. um, Getting to play for, like I said, Portland Gay Men's Chorus, um, other other places in Portland. uh, Getting to tour. um, I I just got married. Uh, last October, my husband is a, a set designer, and um, he does my makeup because he's a drag queen as well. Um, <laughs> That's good. He, he, well, I'll say this: he does thirty minutes on me, but it takes him three hours to put on <laughs> his makeup. He's a hairy dude. Um, I really, I, <laughs>
1: Whatever works, you know. When I was performing in at Atlantic City, I did twelve shows a week, oh. and I was performing both as Judy Garland and as Carol Channing. And I had to learn a fast way to do my makeup. Otherwise, I was going to spend many hours in the makeup chair. So I don't know if you all remember a comedian named Pudgy. Uh, Pudgy and I were doing the show. I'm getting ready to go on one night, and I'm dressed, and I'm going, something's not working. And I couldn't figure it out. And I called Pudgy into my dressing room and she almost fell over laughing. She said, you've got Judy Garland's face, but all the accoutrements of Carol Channing. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how... (laughs) (laughs) So Stephen, my question for you is, uh, and you, how how many years have you been uh, performing consistently because you have one of the longest running gigs in New York?
4: Yeah, 21 years. I, I started uh, last month, but it was 21 years since I debuted at Tavern on the Green. That was where I started. Okay. And the Carnegie Club I've been doing every Saturday since 2004. Uh, it's the same song, same joke, same exact show <laughs>
1: every
4: uh, every Saturday. So it is the longest running nightclub show in New York City because nothing's been changed.
1: That's mm. right. So, yeah. uh, have you thought about applying to the Guinness Book of World Records or are you already there? Oh, no. no. No, I'm serious. Uh, I don't
4: don't know if they have a category
1: for that. Well, create one. Start one. Yes. (laughs) Um, Tanya, what is the most hopeless moment that you have felt in your career? And what got you through it?
5: Well, I'll tell you. There was a point where I was just auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and not getting hired, and so frustrated. And that's when I turned to a good friend of mine who was auditioning, 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 and not getting hired, Susan Hackett. And we just said, fuck it, let's just do a show. And that is how we came into Cabaret. We created The Blonde Leading the Blonde. We did our first show for Equity Fights AIDS. We raised $1,000. And I just continued with it. You know, so there's no hopelessness here. You know, my issue is always money. It's always money. Mm -hmm. I need to pay my rents you know, but I've never let that rule me. And I've had many side jobs along the way. And I have to say, honestly, for the first time, I'm 57 years old. And for the first time, I have no side jobs. My job is I'm a booking manager at Don't, Don't Tell Mama, which I work on commission. I'm a director. I make a decent living as a director. And all I need is to do that more, is to do that more. And then that funds my performing. So I'm, you know, no hopelessness here, baby. I just keep going. Good for you. And Sandra,
1: what makes you the happiest about the business that you're in?
6: Oh, nothing. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, the happiest, well, I think for me, because I love turning on dimes so often and and I've loved watching the way I, I've developed shows. I've loved watching the way that I've been involved in the process of seeing shows get developed, Um, my own as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm just at the threshold of trying to uh, really set the time. I'm going on vacation to Glastonbury, UK to, to, to really set the stage for writing this, I, this play that I have the idea for. And I'm so excited that the, the newness for me, always the, the newness and the development of the new show is really my happy place. That's wonderful. Well, I'll tell
1: you, as I've said, I love being on stage. I love being in the audience. I am I'm a fan of all of you. So I wanna thank you all for saying yes to me because in this business, it all boils down to whether you say yes or no. And I find the more often you say yes, the better it turns out. And so I wanna thank you all for being here. And um, before I let you all have your final word, a shameless plug, I am hitting the board again and I will be in Provincetown on August 5th, which is the actual 44th anniversary 43rd anniversary of my arriving in New York city, oh, August wow. 1979. Uh, and my new Richard Skipper mug came today, which ah. is celebrating that. So everyone who comes to my show mm-hmm. may then, not only this, but some more swag. I've got lots of surprises. You never know who's going to show up, what's going to happen. As you can see from this, uh, I wing it. I just go, you know, and see what happens. I want to bring up a comment. Uh, that just popped on the screen. And uh, and I love this, Tammy. And it says, uh, Tommy, sorry. Hello, guys. I'm not sure how I came across this channel, but I am enjoying your conversation. It may be an algorithm thing. I'm in New York, Jersey. Um, and it, then another one, this must have popped up due to a conversation I had with a friend yesterday who was laid off stagehand in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that he's not going to be laid off for long. Um, I hope it won't be your last time. Uh, consider subscribing to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Uh, Leave a comment on YouTube about this show because that will raise the uh, level, uh, the ranking, and it will keep us moving up. And everybody, have your friends do this. So I'm going to give you each a chance to have your final say today. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't speak about that you wish that we had, or just any final message that you want to leave with everyone who's watching today. Um, I'm gonna pick Tanya when I finish. So Tanya, think about what you wanna say, and then you will pick the next person and so on until only one or two people are standing. And then when you say goodbye at the very end, the credits will roll. Those who watch my show on a regular basis, you may get tired of hearing what I have to say. But I end this every show by saying the same thing. Go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Last night I went out for an ice cream cone and the two young uh, women uh, found out that they didn't have enough money. So I said, it's on me. And they both looked at me like, who is this crazy man? And they said, you're a real angel. And I said, well, it's nice to be called that, but We should all do it. And the next time you have a little bit more money on you, do it for the next person you see. And they said they promised that they would do that. I don't know who they were. I've never seen them before. But it's important to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone, call someone that you have not spoken to in a long time, and let that person know how they've made a difference in your life. If you do that, Trust me when I tell you this, you're going to make a difference in their lives. Um, You know, all too well, uh, friends, we can lose them like this. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we take the time to let them know now that they've made a difference in our life. I have a dear friend. He says, we're all in the same storm, Mm -hmm. but we're in different size boats. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on as long as you have a skipper by your side. Uh.
5: With that, I'm gonna leave, (laughs) and Tanya, it's yours, and then you'll pick the next person. Thank you all for being here. First of all, I just want to say, Richard Skipper, thank you so much for today, but for everything you do for this cabaret community, you are a gem. You are an angel. I so appreciate you. I want to say to the to the viewers. Uh, Please consider donating to my Kickstarter campaign and sharing it. It's bigger than me. It's about the songs. It's about the songwriters. And it's about New York. It's about uh, original material. I'm very excited about it. Um, And thank you all so much. Sandra, go. (laughs)
6: <laughs> and I, I also thank you Tanya want to thank you Richard Skipper and thank all of the guests it's just been such a joy to be a part of this conversation and thanks to all of you who are listening in I will be back with the my podcast on the edge of every day um, in this September so I will ask you to go to my YouTube channel it's Sandra Bargeman on the edge of every day. Check out the episodes and subscribe if you will. Another uh, website that I would like you to check out is theplumth2.com. That is my salon space in the Catskill Mountains. And check it out. See the shows and the conversations that we are having there. And consider coming up for a show or to pitch a show to to uh, be to um, teach and and serve my community. The way that I end all of my podcasts is with this line, and I leave it to you all today. Remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous.
5: Thanks, Richard.
6: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we lost Richard. Should I tap dance now? I don't know. Were to <laughs> oh, pick who you want to follow you. Oh, sorry. Oops. Uh, Steven.
4: Okay. Again, I thank Richard also. Um, I just want to plug the, the new show. I'm, I have the, the old show that I've been doing for years at the Carnegie Clubs every Saturday. The new show is once a month at the Cutting Room. We did the first show uh, last month. was sold out. The second one will be this Thursday, the 27th. Um, uh, it's a big band with a conductor. we got Steven Scott, great comedian and impressionist. He's going to be opening up and it's going to be a great time. So go to stephenmaglio.com to get the tickets and, uh, and hope to see you there. Uh, David.
3: Thank you. Uh, thank you, Richard. You are a lovely moderator. Thank you so much for having Jillian and I on. We're in San Francisco for the next three weeks at Feinstein's at the Nico uh, FeinsteinsSF.com to get tickets. Uh, we have holiday shows at Portland center stage this November and December. You can find them online at Portland center stage. Um, I really enjoy your thoughts, Richard on believing in yourself. And I want to say that as someone who sees a therapist, um, don't let anyone ever make you feel bad if you need to do that. It's an important thing. We 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 seem to have no problem with people going to the gyms and working on their bodies, but when it comes to their minds, um, there are people who who still find it taboo to see a therapist. I don't know what that is. Um, I think it's
2: sexy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. You go to therapy. Call me.
3: Honestly, if, if you have <laughs> the means and the gumption, and you and you you know need to get out of a funk or, you know, need to see someone do it. Don't let anyone make you feel bad for doing that. Yeah. Jillian.
2: Oh, me. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, mental health aside, life is a cabaret. Go see a show, go support artists, go see real breathing go people, see breathing people that you can t- don't touch them <laughs> and don't heckle them, but go and see a show. It is therapeutic. It's, It's not free therapy, but it's cheaper (laughs) therapy. (laughs) So go see a show, pass it on. That's my final.